Hi, I'm Joshua Pfeiffer. Hi, I'm Meg. Hi, I'm Chelsea. And we are part of a group in a Lutheran church called Lutherans for Life, and we're here today to talk about 10 ways Christians can positively respond to abortion. And we know, obviously, this is um, can be a very tricky topic to talk about. It's very sensitive, um, and it, it, it stimulates a lot of emotion for people for all sorts of reasons. But something that we feel we need to talk about, um, the statistics would tell us that one in four women in Australia have um, had an abortion, and this means that as Christians, we, we know this affects men and women in our churches, in our congregations, people sitting in our pews. And so what we particularly want to do in this video is think about how we as Christians can help cultivate and create a culture of life, Mm. Um, how we can practically, um, positively respond to this reality of abortion. Um, And we've got 10 ways that we're suggesting are a starting point for us to do this as Christians. Number one is over to Chelsea. Okay, so number one, um, creating a culture of life in the home. So this is where everything starts, doesn't it? Mm. Um, Who are the people that God has given us to love and care for? Our spouses, our children, our parents, our siblings. What is life like for them? How do we interact with them? Mm -hmm. Do we respect them and love them as people have been made in the image of God? Do we make time? for them Mm. or are we all too caught up in what's going on in our own life I know I'm tempted to do that sometimes and you sort of get into a little bit of a vortex but can we actually stop and um, enjoy time together Mm -hmm. Um, make make rituals celebrate birthdays um, make sure that our children feel like they're listened to Mm. and I think this is especially important then when crises arrive in our life that our children can feel that they can come to us and share the crises Mm. so similarly do we share our burdens with those around us? So if I'm going through a really difficult time, do I share that with a friend? So that if she in turn is having a really hard time in life, that she can um, share what's going on in her life. Or mm-hmm. we too proud and we put up barriers. Things like um, just serving our neighbours, getting mm-hmm. to know them, delivering the meals from time to time or just collecting their mail. All of this helps to build a culture of life. Um, and to ensure that... We experience life as something joyful and not something to be feared. Mm-hmm. And I think about this since having had my own children, I've, I've thought about just how this um, it, this big issue in our society and in our church of abortion, how, this, how you respond to this within your own family then and how you talk to your kids about, um, about the gift that life is mm-hmm. and about, as you say, okay, look, um, kids, you're old enough to see that this is not always easy for mum and dad, you know, that we're struggling along with this to be real about that. Um, but we think life is a good thing, children are a good thing, mm. marriage is a good thing, family life is a good thing. Mm. These are all gifts from God. It's not always easy, um, but, um, but you know, we, we, uh, we go through it together. We forgive each other as we go along. We continue to, to love each other and just this cultivation of this sort of culture, even in our own families, I think, is is one way that we actually um, practically and positively respond to this bigger issue that's out there of abortion. Actually, because Meg and I were talking about this yesterday, um, I think a lot of people do have abortions because their experience of life was traumatic. Mm-hmm. Their home life was traumatic. And mm-hmm. you hear people today saying, why would I bring a child into mm-hmm. this world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know people like that who have actually chosen not to have children because yeah. 
because life is scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, yeah, what can we do to ensure that that life, as I said before, is experienced as a gift or as, as a joy, not something to be feared? Mm. Yeah. So that's number one, encouraging a culture of life in the home. Um, number two on our list is encouraging a culture of life in our church, in our local congregation and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm a pastor in a local church and so this is something that um, is, a, is a responsibility, I guess, partly of, of my call to how you can encourage particular sorts of cultures in the life of a local church. And this is a really important one for me is to think about, okay, the reality is we know that um, women have abortions for all sorts of reasons. There's really difficult things going on in their life. Um, and what is it about the culture of even in our church, in our very own pews, that could um, actually be detrimental to people when they're thinking about going down this path? And I think it can be very simple things about the way that um, we respond to each other within the life of the church. Things like when a person announces a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's not uncommon now in our culture to have mixed responses sometimes um, when people announce a pregnancy, particularly if they're subsequent, um, not your first or second child and that sort of thing. And so just to celebrate these things, I think, in the life of the congregation um, and to say, even if, even if somebody, you know, this is unexpected, mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, look, I realise this could be hard, but we really rejoice with you that this is a new life that God's given you. And then I think about other really practical things that can happen in the life of the church, um, you know, making um, meals for families when they, when they have a new baby, just supporting them in this way, mm-hmm. um, welcoming um, children and being tolerant of children in yeah. worship and yeah. this sort of thing. Um, you know, yeah. perhaps um, you guys um, know better than I do. I don't sit in the pew with the kids that often, but, um, you know, sometimes um, parents with with overly energetic children yeah. can get certain <laughs> looks over the shoulder yeah, and that sort of thing in, scale. In, in worship that's right and I've always appreciated those lovely ladies who've come and sat with me in right. church because I also haven't had someone sitting my husband is also a pastor and mm. so I haven't had that supportive person there and there have been women over the years generally women who've sat with me yeah. and that's been so helpful and I know my wife had the same, and I can remember in you know after one of the kids was born, um, particularly difficult, and just having this person. I did. I don't think my wife even really had the energy necessarily to ask for this help, but yeah. the person just comes yep. and and just sits and and this whole culture of just welcoming children, welcoming yep. life in these practical yes. ways. Having toys in the community spaces right. is a great mm. idea. That's true. I think a lot of the things that churches do around you know just even. Things like playgroups and, and having groups for um, um, mums and kids in particular, um, all of these things, they just they, they cultivate this culture of life and yeah. this welcoming of life. Yeah. And, and we don't necessarily always think about such little practical things like this as being a, a response to abortion. I think even mm. you know having change facilities in a mm. bathroom and these sorts yes. of things, you know, it's, it's very simple, it's very practical. And in the big picture... These are ways we can respond to to this reality of abortion positively. Um, So that's number two, encouraging a culture of life in our local churches. Number three on our list is the idea of promoting an annual life Sunday. So in our circles in Lutheran Church of Australia, I think this is something that probably hasn't happened a lot 
But I know in other churches, this is um, something that is quite common. Right. That they'll have one Sunday a year um, where they will particularly focus on um, life and the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. And one um, suggestion has been that a, a good time to do this can be around the uh, Festival of the Annunciation, March 25th. Um, this is when we um, remember and celebrate. <laughs> the little dog that's coming that's right. to visit us. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, our, little, our little friend scurrying around, but yeah, looks quite cocoa. content now. Yeah, um, yeah the, the Annunciation, March 25th, nine months before Christmas, when yeah. we celebrate Jesus coming into the world in the womb of Mary, right. um, that this, this can be a good time to acknowledge the gift of life, particularly yeah. life in the womb, um, and, and to pray for, particularly for expectant mothers, for, yeah. for supporting fathers as well, of course, for those who have had had abortions as well. Um, and there are some good resources around prayers and these sorts of things that you can use for a life Sunday. Um, and Mother's and Father's Days can be a, a good mm-hmm. times as well and these things can come up in the life of the church. And so that's another practical thing that we can do, a life Sunday in the life of the congregation. Number four on our list, I'm going to hand over to Meg. Right, so for number four, we're thinking about acknowledging uh, miscarriage, stillbirth and abortions, Um, so very sad experiences in people's lives, Mm -hmm. Um, and thinking around how can we remember those or, or, you know, acknowledge that situation. Mm -hmm. So for my own personal experience, um, after we'd had two children, uh, we were pregnant with the third and... um, I sensed that things weren't really progressing. My I, my uterus felt really tight and smaller than I expected. And mm. I sort of thought, oh, usually by this stage I've felt some movement. So I went off to my 19-week scan mm. thinking, oh, I don't think things are quite right. And so I definitely made sure someone came with me. And sure enough, you know, I, I actually think I said something to the, mm. to the um, radiologist before, you know, I, th- I think something's wrong, so, you know. So I, I, I knew it must be a very difficult thing for that person to have to deliver that news. So anyway, um, but what I guess I want to share about that is that through this experience, there was a whole outpouring of, um, of love and care for my family in, in our church congregation, partly because with my husband as the pastor of the congregation, it was a very public situation. Yeah. Everybody knew about how things turned out for us. And so we received so many cards and our home was full of flowers. We received meals and so much care and love. But not only that, what was really significant was that we held a special ceremony for this little baby who was given to us. So I got to, you know, see this little baby in in such a small little thing um, who we named Christopher um, and we had a, a special burial memorial service for him um, at our, oh, sorry, a burial service at our church. And he's buried at our church in Box Hill in, in Melbourne. Um, so, but what that led to was then a special memorial service later mm-hmm. on in the year for all people in our congregation Um, suffering from either miscarriage or stillbirth or abortion. Um, um, And so, yeah, it was a service of psalms and music and 
just very healing and very um, bonding for our whole community yeah. to go through that. Mm. It's a wonderful idea and, and, and um, it connects obviously with the, the previous one about you know, an, an annual life. Sunday is one way within the life of a church to, to acknowledge this whole issue mm. and this is another um, sort of one that grew up organically out of, yeah. out of your experience. And, um, and I, my, my experience pastorally as well is that this is something that is, is far more common than is obviously than is talked about in the life of the church sure. and it's so often not acknowledged and so I think having these public acknowledgements um, can be so helpful and healthy for creating this culture of life right. um, in a community. So. Yeah. And Christopher's buried at St Paul's. Is That's that right. right? Yes. With a little plaque. That's right. There's a plaque yeah. there and I know that certainly one of the um, servers at communion, every time they take out the communion wine, they say a prayer, pour mm. it a, around that area hmm. and say mm. a prayer f- for our little one. And wow. yeah, it's very special. Wow. Yeah. But I also just think of uh, All Saints Day in that context. Mm. So if there have been people in your our congregations who've had a loss over the last year, that could be a really good time to acknowledge, mm. to acknowledge that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm. And I think another thing that makes me think of about acknowledging when these things happen, um, both publicly and privately, is that there are um, there are things such as uh, post-abortion retreats that happen. Mm. I know you're both aware of some of these, um, and that it's good for our churches at least to be aware of them, to, to refer people, yep. not to not to try and sweep this under the rug and to pretend like it doesn't happen, but to acknowledge the reality of it, mm. um, even though it's it's something that we can't. Um, affirm as a as a good path for people to go down when it does happen mm. how do we care for people afterwards and there are opportunities like that around that's right I think most states would offer something um, maybe not all states is yeah, yeah I'm say. familiar with a group called Rachel's Vineyard I actually had a friend who um, had an abortion um, I think probably in her first year of university and uh, she really grieved the decision that she had made and part of the healing process for her was going to one of these retreats and apparently um, they go through a bit of a ceremony where she was able to name the baby mm-hmm. and also there's um, uh, the retreat that she went on had a rite of um, confession and absolution as well wow. and so I think she found that really helpful in, in yeah coming to terms with what had happened and mm. sort of reconciling herself with God and, um, yeah, finding forgiveness. Mm. 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 So that's number four, acknowledging miscarriages and abortions in public and private. Number five, Chelsea. Yes, um, number five is... <laughs> <laughs> um, drawing attention to the church's public teaching on abortion. So actually this is interesting to me at present because not long ago I had a conversation with a um, with a, a girl at church and we, we'd been talking about the abortion debate and she said offered an opinion that was um, you know her own and I think there is a lot of diversity within the church on the issue of abortion you know people will say things like oh well um, I wouldn't have one for myself but I think they should be available and this sort of thing we're a diverse group in the in the Lutheran church nevertheless our church isn't silent on the question of abortion and many people aren't aware that there is actually a public statement um, um, it's it's a doctrinal statement 
and, um, and theological opinion. So it comes under the bracket of DSTO statements. So our church has actually formulated a statement on abortion. Um, and I think it's really important that people within the Lutheran church access these statements because whilst we might have our own individual opinions on these issues, um, as Christians, we don't think individually. We think as a church, we're informed by scripture, we're informed by what the church teaches us. And um, so I'd recommend everybody watching this video to go to either the um, LCA webpage and look under the doctrinal statement section and abortion, but you can also access it through the Lutheran's Fault Life website, mm. which is... Well, we'll put links to all of those things down in the description <laughs> below in case we get it wrong now. Oh, okay. Um, I won't attempt it then. Um, but we have links to the statements as well. And I think it's just good to see what the church is saying, to try and digest it. Um, and it can be a great resource for pastors as well um, or small groups to discuss and um, reflect on, on, the t on the public teaching in the mm. LCA. Mm. Thanks, Chelsea. So that was number five, drawing attention to the existence of the church's public teaching. And then number six, Meg. Yep. Well, leading on from that, um, certainly we've got some teaching that we would love uh, on our website that we'd love young people, um, youth and young adults to access. So encouraging the idea that you could use resources to teach about life, um, to teach about the gift of life with young, even younger people. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess it leads me to think about um, Bible study, youth studies, but also things like um, introducing children to fetal models yeah. or mm. thinking about themselves when they are inside the womb. Um, all sorts of things that you can do to just draw attention to life being a gift, our own life being a gift. Mm. Um, and, yeah. It makes me think about how I've seen um, some uh, analysis or statistics about various times at which abortion has actually you know reduced slightly in particular areas and and one of the things that some people you know think it's connected to is just the advanced technology to do with with sonograms and being able to actually see unborn children and these right. sorts of things that actually you can have we can have all of the the arguments in the world uh, uh, when it comes to um, abortion but actually the experience and being educated and actually seeing what this this mm. life is in, inside yeah. you can be one of the most powerful things mm. Mm. and hearing the heartbeat of your child right. for the first time those sorts of things are so so very special yeah so imparting some of that specialness to our young people is a really young people yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got to say that heartbeat thing is I, I will never forget that moment. Like, and I had I knew about a little bit about biology, and I knew I had some some convictions about the topic of abortion already. But I, I'll never forget hearing the heartbeat of my first child, mm. and just thinking, okay, this has all just changed. I can't even quite articulate to this day exactly how, mm. but it's just different yeah. from then on. And yeah. yeah. Okay, so I, I guess we also think about um, sex ed in our schools. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes uh, I'm not sure parents are really sure about what um, our children are being taught in schools. Uh, I'd suggest to parents it's a really good idea for you to find out about what your schools are teaching your children. Um, do you like the message that they're passing on? Do you think it's a good program? Um, 
And then, you know, I know some parents might make the decision to remove their children from the sex ed that's being provided at their school because I'm sure in many circumstances parents have a great message to pass on to their children. Mm. Um, Maybe in our culture it's not necessarily something that's easily spoken about in the home, but I think it's a really great idea for parents to pass on the message of the complementarity of the sexes, God's design for marriage and for for children um, and how we receive children as a gift, mm. um, all these sorts of ideas. Um, but then, of course, there are some initiatives. Uh, there are some sex educators out there that are actually really quality Mm. Um, and so some schools do bring out outside programs that I would suggest are really great Mm. Mm. they're um, they're update what's the word I don't know like they're they're contemporary contemporary. yeah that's right an accessible format and that sort of thing yeah Um, so but then I guess the issue as well is whether you're in a state school or a private school private schools are more likely to bring in Christian content mm. um, or or something that aligns with Christian teaching a bit more. Um, yeah, so it's a very tricky area. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just encourage people to know what their children are yeah. being taught and to look into that. On our website, we, we do have some suggestions for different groups around the country. Um, yeah, mm. any other? Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful and, and this... You know, this, again, just thinking, thinking in the bigger picture that the, the issue of abortion, it, it arises out of a whole context, the whole worldview to do, I think, to do with sexuality and, and life. And, and so to go, we need to be thinking right back into um, young people's educational times about the sorts of messages that are being sent, mm-hmm. even if they're not directly about abortion at this stage. I think it's often, it, it can be ploughing the field for a worldview mm-hmm. that opens one up to, to this more, so... Yeah, absolutely, because I think also a lot of these secular sex ed programs seem to have um, promote safe sex mm-hmm. as, as, as the way to educate young people today. But if you look at abortion statistics, um, we know that well, contraception is not 100% effective. Yeah. And abortion statistics tell us that um, I think it's a, something as high as 60% of people who have abortions or using contraception at the time. Yeah. So I think a lot of these secular sex, um, sex ed groups think that um, if, if children are contracepting, then abortions won't happen. But I think that's a bit of a furphy. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. So that is number six, developing or supporting educational opportunities for youth and young adults. Number seven is over to Meg as well. All right. So number seven is supporting pregnancy and post-birth support services. Um, so with this num- with number seven, I think about firstly our financial support, our prayer support for places that support women in crisis pregnancy and mm. unplanned pregnancies. So, um, again, I would say probably every single state or territory around our nation um, would have places, often run by volunteers. They're often not-for-profit. Um, and, uh, well, I think when I think about one particular one, I'll, I'll just take, for example, one here in Adelaide. They have an ultrasound machine so that you can hear um, a child's, so you can see and hear your mm. child's heartbeat. 
Um, they have counselling on the phone or in person. They can, give, they can offer material assistance, so they can offer clothes, cots, car seats, all sorts of things. Mm. Um, I'm not sure about financial assistance, but all sorts of, uh, all sorts of things like playgroups for single mm. mothers or very young mothers, um, developing retreats for learning how to parent well, all mm. sorts of things mm. that, that they offer. So we could get involved in those things as volunteers. We could offer our financial support to those groups um, prayer support uh, and things like that. Um, so that's number seven, supporting pregnancy and post-birth support agencies. Number eight is over to Chelsea. Okay, so number eight is advocating for the unborn and the vulnerable. Um, I think as Christians we can get engaged in public debates about abortion. So um, what's happening in our, in our parliaments? Uh, is there any legislation that's been introduced that um, might affect the lives of the unborn or, or those who are vulnerable, people with disabilities, um, single mothers, this sort of thing? And um, I think it's great to engage in these debates, to figure out what, what is um, being discussed, to understand how this policy might affect children in the womb and um, those that I've just mentioned before. Uh, you can write letters to your um, members of parliament if you're concerned about the legislation that's being proposed, making meetings to, to speak with them. I think people often feel ill-equipped yep. and they'll feel like, well, I wasn't trained as a lawyer, I'm not a doctor, and so I don't really know all of the arguments. But I think parliamentarians also need to hear from mothers at home, fathers at home, um, people in their day-to-day -day vocations. Um, they're, they're there to represent us. Mm. We live in a democracy um, and they need to hear um, our response to these things. Um, if you can have a, a researched approach to these issues, even better, and help the parliamentarians in their job, mm -hmm. provide them with evidence to help them make good public policy, uh, that's fantastic too. Another thing I would say is engaging um, in the media. So um, writing letters to the editor, if you mm. read something in the paper that you just think is, is not quite right, doesn't sit well with you, uh, it can be a matter of sharing your story um, with the media as well. So women who have um, experienced abortion grief um, or they've, uh, they've carried a child with a disability to term and want to share what happened as a result of that, perhaps, um, you know, the the baby died in their arms a few hours later or perhaps that child has gone on to flourish um, and the diagnosis wasn't um, quite correct. Mm. Uh, sharing these stories in the media to actually promote life um, and to give testament to the fact that uh, women do suffer as a result of abortions, we know that, um, but also uh, that life in the womb and all life Mm. including people with disabilities, are precious mm. and deserving of dignity and our respect. Yeah. Um, and so, Chelsea, I know as you talk about these things, um, I'm aware that there's a particular journey for you and your family that gives you a certain passion. And I was just wondering if you can share um, your own personal story that sort of feeds into some of these issues as well. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I can't remember exactly how old I was. I think I might have been about 12 um, I always loved rummaging through my mum's things. My mum doesn't throw much out, so she keeps all of her old bridesmaid dresses and she keeps old letters and all sorts of old diaries and she would let me sort of rifle through them. 
And one day I stumbled across um, a little newspaper clipping, which I meant to bring today, but I forgot. And um, it was a letter that she had written into The Age, um, that's a newspaper in Melbourne. And it was entitled, I Wouldn't Give Him Up for the World. And in it, she just um, explained that at 30 weeks gestation, uh, her third child, that's my brother, was diagnosed with a severe brain abnormality. So half of his brain was missing. He had something called hydrocephalus, so, so fluid on the brain. And she explains how the out outcome appeared very grim. But she carried my brother to term and um, delivered him, and he was beautiful. He, he was a really beautiful baby, and she says even now, he looked perfect. And um, she, she, and I said to, and she, I said to her, why did you write this into the, to the age? Why, why would you share this story? And apparently at the time there was a public debate about late-term abortion because um, a woman had undergone an abortion because her child was diagnosed with suspected dwarfism. And um, it turns out that the child was aborted but probably not a dwarf anyway. So my mum shared this with me and um, I think it was a really strong witness of advocacy um, and I would have been four when my brother was born and he was just my brother. I mean, he had his disabilities, um, cerebral palsy and mild intellectual disability, but we, we didn't really think of him that way. Yeah. Uh, we just loved him. And so um, that really um, struck home for me, the reality of abortion and what that could have meant for my brother. Yeah. Mm. And so, yes, I'm grateful to my mum for her witness and her example mm. in in writing that letter and that's an example of the sort of witness that we right. can be in the yeah. world yeah yeah thank you for sharing that chelsea yeah. so chelsea also think about how we can be welcoming in our churches or other ways that we can advocate for people mm. with disabilities and celebrate their lives celebrate them being amongst us as part of god's good creation mm. like do you have any ideas around that well, actually, what immediately comes to mind is my experience in church growing up. We yep. had a few people with severe disabilities. They were wheelchair-bound. And um, there was a particular man there, um, and I know he would pick up this woman in a wheelchair every week and bring mm. her to church and feed her with a straw. Right. And um, it was a messy job. <laughs> um, I think mm. the food must have been processed. Um, but I just I thought that was a beautiful witness of how we can sort of lay down our lives for those in our community right um mm. other things i think are probably um more along the lines of just being accommodating for uh for people with disabilities if they are to make noise in the service yeah. so at at one of the churches that we um we frequent here in adelaide there's a a woman with a disability who likes to make these sort of noises during the service and I think it's nice to sort of view them as worshipful like at times she raises her arms and go Roar! and I actually think what is she seeing here and yeah. maybe she's seeing things that we can't see mm. and just to be um, accommodating and encouraging of people like that and their carers as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that's a great I'm glad we brought this theme in particularly about um, about welcoming those with, with disabilities as a, as a really important way to build this culture of life um, mm. in our community, particularly in our churches. Mm. So that was all under number eight, advocating for the unborn and the vulnerable. 
Number nine is about praying. Praying as a church and praying as individuals. One of the things I think that I've um, realised over many years of thinking about this issue, reading and interacting with people, is that it's just it's far deeper than most of us realise, the issue of abortion. Um, there, are, um, there are surface level issues going on and, and often I think the discussion in our society is around these, these sort of surface level things and trying to provide certain services that can help and all this sort of stuff. But for me, I, I really see a, a deep spiritual battle going on for, for women and men um, considering abortion. And, um, and that just immediately makes me realise I'm, I'm actually quite limited, humanly speaking, in how I can help. All of this stuff is great. We're called mm-hmm. to all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. But as Christians, we do have one resource um, that goes deeper even, and that's yeah. the resource of prayer. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and, and I think praying for, um, sort of in my mind, is, is something that weaves in and out and, and over and under, if you like, all of this other stuff. Um, and so, yes, provide playgroups for, um, for the, the new parents, provide um, welcoming opportunities for those with, with disabilities and all the things we've talked about. And then also remember as a church to pray for these people, to pray for those who are experiencing unexpected pregnancies, to pray for those who are considering abortion, um, to pray for those who are struggling um, mm-hmm. as new parents. And, and I think this is something we're called to personally, privately, but I think as a church too, um, in the scriptures, I think we're, we're called mm-hmm. to pray as a community and, and we're told that this is actually um, something different, mm-hmm. something powerful. Um, and and to to join our hearts and minds together as a community in prayer. I've experienced this myself. One place where abortion does come up um, in our own Lutheran Church of Australia uh, worship resources is actually on Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And there's this beautiful prayer, um, and it it prays for mothers in all sorts of situations, and then it also prays for, um, for mothers who have had an abortion. And every single time I've used this prayer, people will come up and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's again, it, it's a little bit hard to sort of explain exactly what's going on there, but it's just something about it. Yeah. Prayer, prayer is something really powerful. Yeah. Um, and so we'd encourage um, all Christians to pray about um, this issue of abortion in, in all mm-hmm. sorts of ways and all sorts of dimensions. I also think of praying for our leaders, praying for our um, members of parliament, mm-hmm. Um, and for good good rule in our country. Right. Yeah. So that's I right. think that's a really important one. That's a great point, Meg. You know, you think and you think in the in the New Testament, um, there's 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 not a whole lot about how Christians are to interact with the with the governing authorities. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's very clear is that we're called to pray for yeah, them right. as as our first thing. Yeah. And um. And they appreciate it too. Right. Yeah, so uh, there's a big debate going on at the moment here in, in South Australia and um, I know a few politicians who are very grateful for the prayers that they've been receiving because right. it's tiring work. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And relentless. That's right. So number nine, pray as a church and as individuals. That brings us to number ten. You've done well if you made it this far through <laughs> the video. This is our last one um, and it's simply to preach the gospel to make disciples and as part of that to teach our true identity as Christians. Mm. It's interesting when we were preparing this, this all comes out of a paper that we wrote together and we were thinking about this issue. 
And I think um, this point, it, it became especially important for me as a concluding thought because I realised that, again, one, one of my reflections and thinking about this for many years now is that there is this deep connection between receiving life from God and receiving eternal life from God. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a, th- these things are actually spiritually connected and that um, there is... Um, a very real sense in which all of our our convictions about um, this issue of abortion they actually come out of our um, Christian identity they come out of our faith in God our trust in God that we are um, open to receiving all good things from him even when it's difficult even when it involves suffering mm. and and so there's a sense in which although I'm always happy to talk to a non-christian about something like an ab- ab- abortion and to engage with our secular leaders about with arguments about this issue that I think are accessible to all people, non-Christian arguments. There's another sense in which I think um, the, the true solution, if you like, um, to, to this issue of abortion is actually um, doing what we're called to do as a church, to preach the gospel, to ask God to change hearts and open them people up to him in in every way, mm. and as a, as a part of this, mm. um, there is then an opening to to life, literally life, mm. e- even in our own families. Um, and another really significant part of, of this work is that um, is finding our true identity in Christ. Yeah, that's a good I, know, one. I know this is something that that's um, Meg you like to, to talk about, and I've found your reflections on this helpful as well. That one of the things that really is challenging about um, the issue of an unexpected pregnancy, I think, is it brings up issues of uh, our identity. Who mm. are we and, and where are our, our greatest values in life? Things like, or well, is my identity as a person who is going to have a successful career? Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to th- possibly throw that into a bit of chaos. Yeah. Um, or is my identity in, well, it, all sorts of other things. Now, when my identity is in, in Christ mm. and there's a security there yeah. um, and there's a, there's a peace in that, then it's not just an unexpected pregnancy that I can then um, cope with or even mm. eventually rejoice in. It's, it's anything. It's all yeah. sorts of things, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I also think that, you know, focusing on who Christ is, who we are in Christ, also... Um, helps us to not not to fall into despair mm. when we think about mm. you know there are mm. 80 80,000 to 80 to 90,000 abortions happening around Australia or sorry so let me get the, that correct <laughs> well estimated it's was estimated. 70 to 70 to 90 Sem- it's an estimate per, of 1000 per year, per year nationally in Australia right and yeah. so as we can really easily fall into despair when you think about those sorts of numbers mm. and and I think when we turn our eyes away from our worldly woes and think about our true identity mm. and just focus yes. on God as sovereign and mm. I was just going to say and I think also um, if we experience unexpected pregnancy or a crisis pregnancy that recognition that God is the author of life he's given life to us yeah. this life is a gift 
So I think in our culture today, we sort of slip into thinking, oh, it's, it's about our choice. Mm-hmm. Life is a choice. Mm-hmm. Do I want to be a mother yet? Am I ready to be a mother yet or a father yet? But when your identity is grounded in Christ, that mm. sense that all, all life comes from him and all life is a gift. And that can give us courage. Yeah. You know, when you're feeling sick and you're throwing up with morning sickness and the timing feels all wrong, that, um, that this is God-ordained. Mm. Yeah. And I remember speaking to another person in sort of um, the circles that work in this area of, of abortion, um, a person who is... is pro-life to use that terminology and they were talking about someone in their own family who was who was quite um, vigorously on the other side of this debate than they were and I, I was just very impressed with this person's clarity on this particular point because they were saying to me look they, they have all these discussions and arguments but they said um, this this person whom I love dearly their their biggest um, problem is is not that they're in favor of abortion um, they, they said the, the, the biggest thing is that they don't actually know Jesus Christ. Mm. They don't actually um, have faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that's what this person prayed for more than anything. That's yeah. what this person hoped for. And they trusted that actually um, um, as God gives this person, opens this person up to, to the gift of salvation because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, yeah. um, that then this openness to life would come as a part of the life that flows from that. So. Mm-hmm. Meg, I think you should show everyone what you, what you have on your lap. Yes. So you've been hearing the sounds of pitter-patter on the floor. This is Coco. Isn't she a honey? So she's been running around on the floor and um, now she's having a nice little rest on my lap. So I hope you uh, enjoyed those extra sounds. <laughs> um, so... Thanks for watching. Those are our 10 ways that Christians can positively respond to the issue of abortion. God bless you guys and God bless you. See you later. See you. Bye.